0: Welcome to Harmony Bible Radio with your hosts and teachers, Greg Troxell and Father Rob Eaton. Today on Harmony Bible, we'll continue our chronological journey through the harmony of the Gospels and dig deeper into the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, becoming disciples who make disciples. Now, let's get started with today's broadcast. Rob, here we are for another week of Harmony Bible and uh, continuing our study uh, through the Harmony of the Gospels this week, we're in sections uh, 71A and 71B, if I'm not mistaken.
1: <laughs> I think that's correct. 71A, 71B. We're at the, uh, a, um, a story that is difficult to, to read through on, on John the Baptist and what happens to him at the end of his life.
0: That's it well the word mistaken kind of jumped out of me there because it's uh, it's the story of when Herod Antipas has this mistaken identity or people are thinking about uh, who is Jesus and remembering John so with all of that introduction let's uh jump to prayer and then right into the scriptures and our study absolutely would you
1: oh sure I'll pray um, here's a prayer that uh, comes from uh, the The 1928 Book of Common Prayer is not much different than the one that's in the the newer book, but I thought since the focus was St. John the Baptist, it might be nice to just bring that prayer forward. Almighty God, by whose providence thy servant John Baptist was wonderfully born and sent to prepare the way of thy son, our Savior, by preaching repentance, make us so to follow his doctrine and holy life that we may truly repent according to his preaching, and after his example, constantly speak the truth, boldly rebuke vice, and patiently suffer for the truth's sake. Through the same my Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, that
1: kind of keeps uh, takes in a lot of his life, of course, that, that collect, and especially that last part, uh, patiently suffering for the truth's sake. And that seems to kind of bring us to where he was at the end of his life in this in this story.
0: Yeah. So um, just for our readers who are not as biblically literate, let's go back and give some background here, almost like the story does. Uh, sure. But let's go back a little bit further. Would you give a quick nugget on, on who John the Baptist is? Right. And um, And then that'll catch us up to our reading today. Well, we call him John the Baptist
1: because he was the person who baptized Jesus. And his ministry had been set before him uh, before he was even born. And there is this moment in the Gospels where uh, the mother of Jesus and the mother of John meet uh, at, in pregnancy. And uh, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, which would be called John, leaps in the womb uh, at the presence of Mary's baby, who is Jesus. And that's kind of, kind of sets the tone for the rest of their lives. They, they're separate, living separate lives in different places, uh, but they would have been known to each other as uh, relatives, and we don't know much about their, their life interactions and so forth together. But the ministry of, um, of John uh, foretold by an angel, um, uh, to his father. And there's, you'll have to go back and read that story to catch up on it, because it's, it is a, a powerful thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so when it came time, um, he's born, he's named John. And then as he, after he grows up, uh, pr- about the same age as Jesus, um, he is, he has been living out in the wilderness. He's taken on a Nazarite vow and uh, he is preparing for this moment when the, Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to uh, bring him to a place where he's going to begin to proclaim something about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God in the proclamation is, it's near at hand, and you need to repent and turn to the Lord. And as a part of that uh, ministry and calling, he included water baptism. And so uh, because of the nature of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, uh, this this gifting of a, prof- a prophetic ministry and forerunning uh, dr- begins to draw people from all over the place, and and towards towards the apex or maybe past it of this ministry, Jesus himself shows up the Jordan River and uh, and John and he wants to get baptized, and John's uh, John's response is that uh, knowing exactly who he was. Um, said, it's you who need to baptize me. But Jesus says, no, let's do it this way because that will bring it all into into all righteousness. So from that point on then, uh, John the Baptist's ministry with his disciples begins to wane as Jesus' ministry, going around visiting and proclaiming the kingdom of God himself, setting people free, the healings, the the proclamations, the exorcisms, uh, all the things that he's doing, uh, picks up. Uh, a great amount of speed and buzz around, and John's ministry then takes a back seat. And it just recalls the very words of John himself, who said, uh, his ministry must increase, mine must decrease. Mm. And so, so now we're brought into uh, a moment here when John's ministry of proclamation and prophetic word and, and many times exhortation has caused him to be in conflict with one of the the uh descendants of the greek empire uh and um and there's a great fascination that take that's that's here and as this story is told down the road we're getting kind of what we might call a flashback uh to talk about what happened when john the baptist himself did die and this is this is the story that, that takes place at that point so that's kind of the the whole story for John the Baptist and his place in history, his um his relationship to Jesus, what he was called to do, what he did do successfully, and then uh this ignominious death comes that you would think, well, you know, if you were the forerunner of Jesus, at least you could do something better than this. But
0: <laughs> but this
1: but this this is the this is in fact what happens with John the Baptist.
0: Wow, wow. Well good, good nutshell of everything there. Uh, let's jump into uh, reading uh, section 71a. This will, um, If I may, I'll start with the Matthew and I'll read the Mark and then let you read the Luke section there okay. uh, that parallels in section 71a. So this is M- Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. It reads from the World English Bible online uh, with our site here. It reads, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report concerning Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the baptizer. He's risen from the dead. That's why these powers work in him. Uh, The parallel passage from Mark chapter 6, verse 14 to 16 reads, King Herod heard this for his name had become known. And he said, John the baptizer has risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah, and others said he is a prophet, or like one of the prophets. But Herod, when he heard this, said, This is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. And then
1: Luke 9, 7-9, through 9, which is the, the parallel uh, in Luke, says, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was very perplexed, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? He sought to see him.
0: Hmm. So that so brings us to
1: the end of section 71a.
0: That's right. And Luke certainly provides a different perspective. As we move to 71b and then start our the dialogue here uh, and study for small groups, um, section 71b, we just have Matthew and Mark. If I may, I'll read Matthew's section, and you can read the longer Mark. Okay. All right? Matthew chapter 14, verse 3 through 12. For Herod had laid hold of John, and bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they counted on him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced among them, and Herod was pleased, and whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatever she should ask. She being prompted by her mother, said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. King was grieved, but for the sake of his oaths and those who sat at the table with him, he commanded it to be given, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and was given to the young lady, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus.
1: And the parallel from Mark, which would be uh, Mark 6, verses 17 through 29, again in the World English Bible says, For Herod himself had sent out and arrested John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John said to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias set herself against him, and desired to kill him, but she couldn't, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and kept him safe. When he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. Then a convenient day came that Herod on his birthday made a supper for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee, when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced. She pleased Herod and those sitting with him. The king said to the young lady, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He swore to her, whatever you shall ask of me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? She said, the head of John the baptizer. She came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, I want you to give me right now the head of John the baptizer on a platter. The king was exceedingly sorry for but for the sake of his oaths and of his dinner guests, he didn't wish to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent out a soldier of his guard and commanded to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the young lady. And the young lady gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard this, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Mm. Yes.
0: Okay. Tragic. Well, yeah, very tragic.
1: Mm. You know, one of the things about uh, this Herodian family uh, that I think it's important to note that uh, the dysfunction ran through every single person who was who was part of this uh this dynasty uh from Herod the great uh all the way through Herod had ten wives and and all those kids of course were vying for uh their place in the life of of the settlement of the estate when when Herod the Great would be dying. Um, but in, in almost every case, except for maybe perhaps one who was very young, uh, almost every case you see a, a sexual dysfunction that takes place uh, there between, as John was bringing to the attention, part of the rules of the game for for the Jews and so forth was you don't marry your brother's wife. And, and, um, and, and there was, you know, incestuous stuff that was going on and so forth. And so I just mentioned all this because when you, when you come to a party like this and the wine's flowing and Herod himself has already shown that, that he, has the same family dysfunction in uh, for him himself that it would. it's not out of place for us to see Herod looking at Herodias' daughter uh, lustfully and that uh, that would have been part uh, was. It wasn't just a simply, uh, oh, this is my wife's daughter and isn't she lovely and-, and I think I'll give her a little gift, you know, for that. But I think uh, you have to look a little deeper than that and see uh, the – uh, just the uh, dysfunction that was going on here uh, for that to take place. So that's a, that's a little bit of the background that's going on, and it also, to me, explains something about Herod's um, desire to continue to come and listen to John speak to him, and and John continuing to say, "You've got to repent. You've got to give this up," and so forth. And Herod hearing that uh, and knowing, I think, deeply that there was this this uh, terrible um, addiction or terrible dysfunction uh, that was part of his life and had been, that for some reason he was unable or unwilling or or whatever to give up. And uh, John the Baptist serves as a constant reminder of what righteousness is supposed to look like. But uh, whatever, whatever those internal issues for Herod, uh, deeper uh, I don't want, I don't want to get into, into kind of therapeutic model here too much but the <laughs> the, the deeper the deeper issues are causing him confliction and yeah. and personal uh, moral pain uh, and, and some shame maybe even and so he continues to act out in order to cover up by feeling good about things and then trying to cover it up and John the Baptist becomes one of those places that offers both uh, the truth, And Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. challenge at the same time for his life that he's that he knows he needs to do and just can't seem to get out of.
0: Now, there's a uh, real lesson there, isn't there? Just thinking about that, the attraction uh, in in Herod towards John. Right. Wanting to hear what I hear you saying is there there was in this, let's, let's use that word sinner. Uh, right. In the sinner Herod, a desire for freedom, and right. he heard John's words and the truth, as it says, "Will set you free." And he right. he was intrigued by that, wanting that freedom, and right. yet it's so far away from what he knew. Um, right. it was a hard a hard uh, shift to take on. Right,
1: yeah, I think that's that's a fair uh, way to describe it as the. Uh, this deep desire for freedom, and uh-huh. I suppose, and you're right. We could spend a good deal of time talking about each one of us looking for that freedom from the things that that keep us bound, as Paul would refer to, and as as he also said, "It shall set you free." Um, and that, um, so perhaps John the Baptist represented freedom, mm-hmm. and as long as as long as he could keep him around, that uh, he had this. You know this momentary outlet when he would go down to the prison cell and listen to John and uh, and have John talk to him.
0: Well, I'll tell you this: this fortress that he was at in the prison cell, a tradition from uh, Josephus says it is in Macris, which was uh, way out in the region of Perea. Uh, now it was a it was it had its own. Long history; it had been around for a hundred hundred years already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had its own reason for being there, in terms of strategic, military, and all of that kind of thing. But it's it's way out there. It's just desert. And uh, when when you when you look at that, um, and folks, I'd encourage you. We've just launched uh, the Harmony Bible Map. And you can go right there, zoom in uh, on that very particular place, and then use uh, Google Images, and you'll be right there on site. And you can take a 360 view, look around it, and you think even if you escaped, <laughs> a person today uh, would be would be wanting to uh, reach uh, the Dead Sea there, and right. then it's <laughs> the Dead Sea. Uh, you know, it's it's not the drinking font. Um, so you know, it's it's this. Um, it it's it's a it's a it's an amazing location for him to have been sent off to and and almost inoculating his uh the the ministry the impact that he could have it was it was a it was really a a wise prison cell for him to be in hmm. um but hard for john the baptist and now uh there he is so one of the questions that would certainly rise, and there's some questions of to to where as we look at seventy one a and seventy b, where is this taking place? Is it out there at the fortress, or is it perhaps over in Tiberias, uh, right. there on the Sea of Galilee? And I'm not the the scripture text doesn't say. Um, what's your thought?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have uh, much of of a way to uh, make a distinction between the two from in a very certain way. You know, I think mm-hmm. you can make a case for both. Right. Uh, I think as you're following the story along with um, Jesus uh, and this flashback comes, it certainly would put you there in the Tiberias area rather mm-hmm. than, than further south uh, down by the Dead Sea. Right. Um, it's just just by the uh, proximity of one story to another, you know. Right. So about where the that.
0: flashback is happening is is most likely there in Tiberius. I think that that the logic of this makes sense. Yeah. Um. And the event that was happening was most likely there back at the prison cell at Machaerus. Um. But that's that's even still um something that the scholars haven't agreed on is where right. where was John. Uh, I mean, where where John was, we know from from uh, Josephus, but where where was Herod at this dancing at the party? Uh, was it at his palace in Tiberias or was he actually out there at the prison at the, at, you know we call it a prison, but it was really the fortress. It was this, this really spectacular space out there. So right. um, it was that where it was. And there are many who say that's where it was when, when it happened. And so calling to have his, the head of John the Baptist was easy. It wasn't a three day journey and a three day journey back, um, back to Tiberias. Um, it was, it was something that could be, executed right there uh carried out right there right
1: yeah the i think the story itself lends itself to to believe that it was something that took place rather quickly uh with certainly with enough time frames for the the girl herself to be the one who um still there is still part of the party everybody's there and and she's the one who immediately comes back with with the head as his, her mother, you know, told her just to go do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so there's, I, I'm looking at um, just the circumstantial stuff lends itself to say that we're not only in Tiberias, but it's all part of the same the same uh, evening, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. takes place there. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think having all those people that come for the party probably would have been more likely to get there if it was in Tiberias rather than down uh, further south. And, uh, and so it lends itself, I think, to just being closer to the, to the action of sure the, center, right. the center of, uh, Herod's, um, rule.
0: Right. So in that case, then it's going to be a journey and the party is going to continue, uh, but the head comes back on the platter just the same. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, strange, there was even time, uh, for repentance, uh, using John's words, right? There was time for him to repent, even of the, of the commissioning of people to go get the head. Uh, I mean, if he's sending people down the hallway (laughs) or sending them on a, on a three day journey, uh, there was time to send somebody else or, uh, send word right to, to say, no, don't, don't carry this out. This is, I think, you know, part of, um, in, in this story, there's a, there's something to the nature of sin, which is is equally um, binding, right? That that prevents somebody from breaking into the freedom that they desire, right? There's this um, there's this yearning that he seems to have, and and yet at the same time there's um, there, there's not there's he's not taking the action that John himself would tell him to do. He's right. continuing on in his way and. And at this, it, it comes to this conflict, right? Because one thing or another uh, is going to is going to take uh, hold of you in your decision. So in this lesson, I think there's a great opportunity for for the small group to talk about the power of sin in our lives, the power of temptation, as we think about the daughter and the way uh, we, we get dumb sometimes around temptation. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about incest and uh and and relationships, or whether we're talking about food or alcohol or whatever vice it is, right? Um, sometimes we just get dumb around the temptation. We we do what we don't want to do. We do what we know is not good for us. Um, and so there's a there's a reason to talk about that. And and where else in Scripture can we look to um, gain the freedom that we're looking for? Um, go ahead. Yeah,
1: I was going to say not only the freedom. Uh, gain the, the freedom and the knowledge of freedom, but also gain uh, an understanding that this is uh, a difficulty that's not unique to Herod. This is something that, that uh, everyone faces in some way or in some form or other. So, Paul, you know, if we're looking through Scripture to find places where we can relate, at, if that's all we can do at the particular moment, um, is uh, Paul saying, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do. And there's no health in me in that regard. And um, so, you know, if, if Paul's talking about that in that way and the struggle that goes on with the human life in understanding the, 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 the spiritual standards, the physical standards, the emotional, the moral, the ethical standard that we're called to in Christ uh, through the New Testament, then someone who is not in Christ. You know, from the Christian perspective, in any case, the person who's not in Christ is going to be at the whim of whatever it is that's in them that's driving them at that particular time, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't have the standard unless somehow so you have some kind of philosophical system that's been put into place, and you would think that you know a, a Greek family might be able to do that, but in any case, uh, having a philosophical system that provides moral boundaries and uh directions and so forth right Uh, and uh so you know to me uh besides everything else i I said about all the stuff that's been happening in their family dysfunctionally uh, and i see herod here as just being uh a a very conflicted person who has some also some kind of herodian dna that allows him to get some good stuff done for Mm -hmm. the the rule at the same time to have um kind of a uh an iron fist about other things and so this administrative ability to make things life better but at the same time personally struggling to be just somebody who's got it all together and he certainly does not
0: yeah no that's 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 right and he is um, what we call a tetrarch. Uh, there's the biblical word there for him, which means he's, he's one of four brothers who's, or siblings, relatives, mm-hmm. half-brothers half and such, who um, are almost like governors over regions. So again, back on that Harmony Bible map and other times in our study, you'll hear us talk about different regions like uh, Perea and Galilee and Judea uh th- those those types of of regions that were out there and he was the tetrarch of Galilee and Perea so it just helps people understand he's got a he's got a large region um to to govern uh and yet he's also facing not only the pressures of of those vices in him the sin in him uh the family dna but he's also dealing with uh the pressures from Rome from the senate um from Augustus
1: yes he's got uh he had, because this is the Roman Empire. He did have to have um, a a direct commission, if you will, to carry on uh, this Herodian rule through Caesar Augustus, right mm-hmm. after after his dad died, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of pressure. Then he's got the, the Jewish religious leaders there he's got a lot of pressure on him i mean it's right. it there's a there's many different groups and john the baptist is is as we're going into this flashback is stirring up even among the jews uh his audience is his people that he's speaking to saying repent get back go 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 find the lord go change break free of your evil ways Jesus is now on the scene, right? Right. Just last week, he's commissioned the the 12 apostles and sending them out. So we we know that way back weeks ago, um, he had appointed them apostles. Now he's commissioned them and sent them. And next week, we're going to get into the study when when they return back uh, from that mission. But Jesus is ministry is taking form and that's I think fueling then this um, dialogue that we begin with in section 71A. Mm-hmm. So let's jump back to that point. Yes. And uh and talk about John the Baptist, uh Herod's uh we have Luke's story which is a little different, right? Than uh Matthew and Mark who who there's uh just the 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 concerted question of who is this Jesus and uh, is he one of the resurrected ones or not? And both Mark, Matthew and Mark seem to assert that Herod is saying, "Yeah, but I know that he's John." Uh, while Luke says, "No, I beheaded John." Uh, so who is this?
1: Right. Yeah, there's just just absolute confusion on his part uh, as he's as he's going to be a person who is uh, uh, influenced by uh, superstitious things. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as um, a, a collection of various uh, spiritual solutions uh, that the world is offering around him. Um, and so it can be very confusing about <laughs> who he thinks coming and going with this. but right, between Matthew and Luke, uh, so he's this this is John the Baptizer. He's risen from the dead. and then because it said someone said he John had risen from the dead. Uh, so who is this about whom I hear such things? And that, of course, all of that to lead into this flashback to talk about for, for people who were not aware of that. I just think it's very interesting, uh, technique here to put in the story here rather than had it been sometime earlier. Right Um, now,
0: now we're reading in a chronological way and um, it's, it's sitting here folks because of Mark's gospel and, um, and the time of what we understand things were happening. Um, so that's that's that piece. Uh, remember that um, that's our that's our process here. We've got Matthew and his way of writing, Luke and his way of writing, John certainly in his, but Mark is the most sequential of the Gospels, and it, right. it for the most part it helps us anchor a lot of things just in his writing style. So That's, so you, that's
1: the why. I think it's uh, it's just, it's one of those things where you, if you were in a normal conversation with somebody, you said, yeah, you know, um, when uh, when Herod was hearing about Jesus and, and all of a sudden all these spectacular powers and ministry things were taking place and Herod, you know, old Herod, he, he thought that was John the baptizer that came back to life. And someone would say at that point, well, I don't get it. Why would he think that that was the case? And, and then, then you, you come back to, well, let me tell you about the fact that uh, he was so enamored with and so uh, interested in, so curious about John the Baptist and various things. And, had, and in essence, John had quite a control over Herod in that way. And so when he hears about these things happening again, He's he's just convinced that this is the ghost or he's come back to life or something and now he's in right. real trouble uh because John's on the loose again. Right, you know, that that kind of thing. So what I, you know I what can't help,
0: help, yeah, I can't help well, think on the other side that um there's there's a concern that grows in him thinking of what things happened, uh, how the populace responded to John and the Jewish religious leader responded to John. To now having Jesus out there, and we've already read many stories um, about the Jewish leaders interacting with Jesus and really struggling with that message. Jesus has a different um, manner of gathering people than most politicians uh, or uh, even min- most religious leaders, right? This even in sending out right ministry, right? Not not go, uh, hey, go raise some funds for my campaign, uh, <laughs> go right. Uh, you know, uh, four clergy and, uh, a couple governors and tax collectors from different towns, um, go get those people and make sure that they're on board with me. Uh, you know, th- that's, that's not the strategy that Jesus takes. And, uh, so there's this, uh, it, it's an, it's an un an unknown, right? There's this unknown power that's been at work in John and now right. is at work in Jesus. And I don't, right. yeah,
1: well,
0: go ahead. Yeah.
1: I was going to say that I think that uh, that if you take the whole picture of Herod, this this particular Herod, and look at it from from beginning to the end, you see a guy who just never could quite get rid of the of his enemies, his irritants, yeah. his the people who uh, were were who who were as he perceived them to be the ones who who were, who were his uh, adversaries, and I think mm-hmm. many times he just, if you will, to use that phrase, shot himself in his own foot about the way that he dealt with people. I, I wonder whether he was that good of a judge of people in that regard. Uh, it just mm-hmm. seems like he gets himself in trouble with these things. So if you have someone who is a powerful figure and you try to get rid of them or you get rid of them because you've been influenced to do so, uh, otherwise, beyond your willingness, uh, and then they come back, there's a lot of uh, there's just a lot of emotional, spiritual, soulful, um uh a return I'm not just gonna say return, but um power that's given to other people in that regard. Mm-hmm. And he's he seems to keep handing this out. I mean he had this battle with the people when he got from his first divorce later, um and he lost that battle and then he got sent out, um and exiled basically and then died, uh his whole life was was like that. It just seemed like it was one thing after another where he just didn't seem to be able to identify with people in such a way as to make right decisions for himself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, if that leads us, you know, to that place where we're talking about uh, his interaction then with Jesus, um, we, we got the same picture, don't we?
0: Yeah, we sure do. Well, I think it opens up another door in terms of the focus of the study, uh, the dialogue that might go on in terms of uh, qualities of leadership and uh, what integrity, what does that mean? Um, How do we, uh, is it governed? Is it how do we govern it ourselves, right? Right. And so right. Um, I think that the, all of this is is are great themes for us to explore. Uh, certainly, uh, in our our preliminary conversation, Rob, you you brought up the idea of how we ought to prepare ourselves for the malice or misfortune or persecution, thinking of John the Baptist. Right. And that leads, yeah, that's,
1: that's the John the Baptist side of the story. Uh, We've spent a lot of time here talking about Herod, which is, which is um, a good thing to do because we need to see the, the context and the interactions that go on here so we can try to figure out the story a little bit better. But, but, but John the Baptist um, himself uh, as, as a person who was here to, uh, to point to Jesus, now he's pointed to Jesus. Jesus has come. And now we're at the, the downside of this ministry, which is, as John himself would say, I must decrease and he must increase. And, and um, I think uh, many, many times people in ministry and leadership in the life of the church find themselves in this position of being on the downside of their power and authority and, and influence and relationship with people in mm-hmm. the life of the church. And and they all are faced with some of the same things that I think John the Baptist would have faced been faced with just as simply as a human being. Um, and we, we, come, we come to those moments that every once in a while in the Gospels. We've been through a couple of those where John's disciples come and are asking on behalf of John, are you the one? Right. Uh, and and so forth we talked through that all that, and I think that just is an indication of John's anticipation but also impatience perhaps and perhaps a little bit of uh looking forward and seeing uh from a human perspective the end of things and what does that mean for him and how do we interact with people around us That's I think right. we can okay. you know we i think we can we can anticipate some of that in our lives uh the first thing that has to happen is is the humility that it takes uh, for someone like John the Baptist, with thousands and thousands of people coming to his ministry, to be able to say, "That's the one over there." It's not about me; it's about him. So there's there's something about mm-hmm. humility and passing on leadership. There's also the anticipation that we can see just in normal human living, which means that at any given point, our life might cease, or that we need we could be this disabled in some way. Um, and and so we need to be prepared to pass it on anyway. Right. And that means thinking about who is it that you're going to pass this ministry on to. In John the Baptist's case, it was already set for him. You will be passing this ministry on to Jesus. Yes. So there was a high expectation on John's part. That he would not leave this world. I don't. I, don't, I believe there's a high anticipation in this part. He would not leave this world until that moment happened, and he was able to pass this on. But now here's Jesus, and now he's sitting in the jail, and you got you know it, you're sitting around without your disciples, and the only person who's coming to visit you is a crazy king. And so what do you do? You 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 have to somehow keep your wits about you, your faith, your your mission to continue on to be a truth teller. And and to point, right. to things. and so he's going to keep pointing to Jesus, no matter how old he is, where he is, at what point of waning ministry it might be. But uh, one thing that we can do is, uh, like small group leaders and so forth, is to have that next person in the wings that you're training up to take on absolutely.
0: Take I mean, we we ought to be always thinking about that and uh, that apprentice if you will or the next person who you're sending out Uh, i mean this is again timeline it's coming right after jesus commissioned the 12 out into ministry when we go back to when did this happen um folks who are listening to the audio here uh need to understand we're in section 71 a and b today but the imprisonment happened way back in section 34 almost a year and a half prior So um, it's been it's been a while. Uh, There's been a lot of ministry in Jesus's life that's happened uh, up to this point that is now fueling Herod's thoughts and all of that sort of thing. So, um, uh, yes, how are we passing on? What's the how do we handle the the vocation that we have, that calling and the particular uh, context in which we're at now? Mm-hmm. um and the 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 circumstances that are facing us whether self and self caused or um dictated by others um, right you know the decision of others of whether we stay in a place of ministry or not um those are all things and and most important but i think when we when we keep coming back the close of today's story says that uh john's disciples came and they told jesus about this um and i and i think about who are we following right what are we building is it for us or is it about the kingdom
1: right powerful things and and so common in people's lives today um i hear it you know as a pastor i hear it uh if not daily at least weekly from someone who i would think should um have a handle on the question which is why am i still alive what am i supposed to be doing and yeah. is there something else that I should be doing after living a long life or uh, having been through this particular job? What's next for me? All those are very, very basic, good, valid uh, questions that need to be put into prayer and to realize that uh, that as God has called each of us to carry on the work, there's always going to be something. And I think at least John the Baptist could see in his prison uh, the opportunity to continue to speak truth to Herod. <laughs>
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, Rob, we've come to the end of our hour. I'd like to ask: Do you have uh, th- another great prayer here from uh, the life of Saint John?
1: <laughs> that was the only one that I pulled up to be prepared for for today.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me close our time with a prayer here. As we uh, great, as we can... Heavenly Father, we uh, step into this moment now, uh, ready to go on with our ministry, and yet we we ask you to always keep us aware of your timing, of, of your presence, of, the, of this opportunity in this moment, uh, to be sensitive to the urging of your spirit, to whether we do this or that, and, and how we live with integrity, a repentant, contrite, humble heart, ready to serve you in every circumstance, in every location. God, give us that grace, as uh, John had, as Jesus did, and allow us, like the apostles, to be sent out with power and authority. In your name, for your glory. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Harmony Bible Radio, a weekly broadcast that helps you become a disciple who makes disciples. To help you lead a small group in your church or community, we've shared and recorded this broadcast, the text, study notes, and other media on our website, harmonybible.coop. Each week, we continue our journey through the Harmony of the Gospels and share all our weekly resources free. You can even download the study guide for use with your small group. This ministry is funded by the training sessions at churches like your own. To learn more about our training, please call us at 1-855-BIBLE-24 or visit us online at harmonybible.coop.